Love it. Good morning. Wow. Wow. Don't all scream at once. There's just I was waiting for like a roaring applause and like confetti, but uh, maybe next service. Next service. So, no. Good morning, guys. It's great to see you guys again. My name is Skyler. I get the chance to pastor a church in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, and uh, my wife Amy is here with me. And we're hanging out today, and uh, man, we're excited to be here. Uh, how many of you guys? You may know this already, but. Chandler and his wife are about to have a baby, like any moment, like his wife's in labor right now. And uh, Chandler was up here. Well, Chandler's not having a baby. His part's done. He's, he's easy street. His wife's about to have a baby. So uh, be sure to be praying for them and thinking of them. And I was thinking about this, like uh, if, if Chandler's here and you're watching this at home in your underwear, there's really no excuse for you not to be back in church. So uh, we're, we're loving it. Uh, man, we have uh, had the opportunity to uh, speak before here at Westbridge, but last time I was here, you guys, man, you've really messed up the world. Since I was here last, there's been a pandemic, right? Every pound that Jeremiah lost, I put on. So, I mean, it was kind of a, that's how Jeremiah are really good friends. We made a deal like, hey, for every pound you lose, I'll put it on. And both of us are hitting our goals. So uh, it's really exciting for us. But a lot has happened since then. And uh, man, it's so good to be able to come back and to hang out with you guys. And uh, man, I'm excited for what God's doing at Westbridge. And uh, we are cheering you on. We love following along. Jeremiah and Cherry are great friends of ours. And uh, just to see what any pastor has had to navigate through in the course of the last year and a half is an incredible thing. But to watch even Jeremiah and Cherry navigate things here uh, has just been awesome. And uh, there's a lot of people that are cheering you guys on and uh, excited to see what God's going to keep doing in and through Westbridge Church. So uh, I'm excited. Thanks for having us today, even though you had no say in it whatsoever. But I'm just glad that you're here. And uh, so thanks for joining us. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today is this, this idea that Jesus just captivated people. Jesus was a master storyteller. In fact, he would often use stories or parables as ways to capture people's attention. And, and, a, and a parable is a word, we don't use it a whole lot in our vocabulary today, but it literally means to just take a truth and cast it alongside a bigger truth. And Jesus was the master storyteller at that. He was the, the person who could do a parable, who could bring a, a really big truth that came from a small story better than anybody. And and here's what I love about Jesus. You may not even always agree with the things that Jesus said, but you'd have to agree that he wasn't very boring. Like he would always tell stories in a way that would capture people who'd share these parables. And Jesus would use parables for one of two reasons. The first reason was either to reveal truth to somebody who was learning something about God's kingdom, God's character, about who God was. Or, or the other reason is he would use it is to conceal the truth from those whose heart was indifferent. And I'll show you what I mean. If you have a Bible, I'd love to invite you to open it to Matthew chapter 9. If you don't have one, we'll put the words on the screen so don't feel weird about it. But Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is about to kind of share this big truth that's packed into a really small story. And he's driving home a few things for the religious establishment. Right? The people who were pretty convinced they had God already figured out. Jesus had a few things to say to those kinds of people. And in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus begins to kind of explain this because Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day who had decided that it was going to be their job to thin the spiritual herd, 
right? They were going to make sure that if you were going to be a follower of God, that you were the best of the best. And if you weren't able to cut it, right, if you weren't able to jump through all of those spiritual hoops, then clearly you didn't love God enough to be considered one of his followers. And so the way that they would determine this is they would put laws on top of God's laws, right? They would put all these extra requirements on top of the laws that God had already set in place. And then they would police everyone to make sure they followed those extra rules and if those extra laws. And, and if anybody was kind of left standing at the end, if they were able to jump through all of those hoops, then those must be the kind of people that God would look for. Now this was their plan. In fact, many generations, this was the idea. If you were following after God, if you were religious, if you were spiritual, if you really wanted your life to be about something bigger than yourself, then you were gonna have to prove it. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and he throws a wrench into their idea of what God must be like and what a true follower of God must be like. This is why when you read through the Bible about Jesus and the way that the religious leaders responded to Jesus, this is why they had such a big problem with Jesus. Because Jesus completely fit, didn't fit into their box of how God must think and how God must work and how God's followers must be like. And in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus tells this story, right? It's really more of like a parable that he just kind of cast alongside something else to reveal a bigger purpose. And see what's happening in Matthew chapter nine is there's a guy by the name of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was anointed by God. That means God that kind of spoke him out and said, hey, I've got a bigger purpose in this life. I've got a bigger plan for creation. I'm gonna send someone and they're gonna rescue and redeem all mankind once and for all. And his name's gonna be Jesus. Your job is to prepare the way. And so John the Baptist would go out and he would talk about what it means that, that God's kingdom is coming and that God is gonna send the Messiah one day and he's gonna rescue and redeem the world. And he had all of these disciples that were following after him. And one day these disciples walked up to Jesus and his disciples. And they asked some questions. They said, well, Jesus, hey, help me understand something. How come you don't follow the rules like we follow the rules? Right? How come you're not having to do all the things that we're supposed to be doing? You're, you're supposed to be this respected rabbi. So how is it that you don't have to follow all of the rules? Right? And this is what's happening when Jesus kind of throws this parable alongside. I want to read it to you, and we'll kind of unpack it a little bit as we go. At Matthew chapter 9, it says this. It says, then John's disciples, right, John the Baptist, came and they asked Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Now, Jesus is about to cast alongside some bigger truths in this moment. Here's what he says. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, here's what I love about the Bible. I guarantee you what happened in that moment was the disciples were sitting there going, What? No, Jesus, we just want to know how come you don't, you get to eat a lot more than we do. And Jesus is like, I'll tell you why, right? Do bridegrooms cry at weddings, right? Do, do, do people put old wine in new wineskins? Like a, this fortune cookie Jesus. And they're like, no, no, 
we, we don't understand what you're talking about. Jesus, we're just starving, and we, you guys just look like you're having a great time. How come you don't have to follow the same rules that we do? In other words, they're going, just what is so different about you guys? How come you don't have to fast like we do? Right, Because by this time, as a result of all those extra rules that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day were adding on top of God's rules, the average follower of God was having to fast about every other day. They would have these huge feasts of celebration that would mark moments where God's faithfulness and goodness to creation, and it would be followed by these long terms and long times of fasting. Now, don't miss this. Fasting is an incredible blessing, and it's an important spiritual discipline, right? But when it becomes an obligation or a hurdle that you or I have to jump through in order to prove our love for God, the point is missed. And so what Jesus is saying to the disciples is, is listen, the point of fasting, right, when you abstain from something else and you say, God, I'm gonna put that aside so that you can connect and commune with me, Right? The point of fasting is connection and communion with God. Right? You fast because you want God to show up in your life. Right? You remove some things from the world so that you can draw closer to God. Right? So what Jesus is saying is, hey, listen, if God is here, right? if, if I am God in the flesh sent to rescue and redeem the world, then why are you fasting? Right? That makes sense to me. Right? If I'm fasting... Right? And I'm saying, God, I, I want to fast. I want to put some things aside so that I can feel more connected to you, so I can connect with you and I can commune with you. And I'm setting a few days aside and saying, God, I'm not going to do this, or I'm going to stop eating this, or I'm just going to give these things to you and just say, God, would you connect with me? And God shows up in my living room in the flesh. Guess what? Fast is over, right? I'm like, God, I'm starving. Let's hit a pizza joint. I'll buy. Let's pick this up. Right? This is what Jesus is saying. He's going, I, I don't understand. Why are you fasting to connect with God if God is actually right here in front of you? And he says this, and he goes on, he said, this is it, I, I'm God in the flesh. Right? And that's why he's saying, you don't, you don't cry at a wedding reception, you party. Right? You drink the punch, you eat the dry steak, you do the chicken dance. Right? When, you're, when you're at the wedding, you just sit and you hang out and you have fun. You, you don't worry about those things because the bride and the groom, they're present. They're already here. Right? So what Jesus is trying, trying to tell John's disciples is, hey, listen, don't miss this. Don't miss out on what's going on. You guys are trying to fit me into this religious traditional box, and it's never going to work that way. And Jesus knows that when somebody asks those questions, where they start to call things into question and say, well, what about this? That there's usually something bigger at work in someone's heart. And Jesus understood that really the question wasn't about how come you get to eat and we don't. Jesus was about to reveal that there was something even bigger that needed to be addressed when it came to the way that people viewed God. Right? And so he goes beyond this whole fasting thing, and he uses these, these quick little illustrations, these parables, to reveal a bigger truth, a bigger problem. And what Jesus is starting to recognize is even John the Baptist, even his disciples, even the religious leaders of the day, they had this perception of how God worked and what a true follower of God must act like. And Jesus was trying to say, you, you guys are going to miss this because I don't fit into those little boxes that you've created 
And so Jesus begins to reveal something. And this is kind of important to understand about Jesus when he came into this earth. You see, Jesus came to promote the new things. So this may have been the way things have been done, but here's how God wants this to be. Jesus didn't enter into humanity. Jesus didn't become God in the flesh to put a patch on an old way of life and an old way of thinking. Jesus came to bring new things to life. And so here, here's what Jesus says. Look at that verse again. He, he says, hey, you guys need to understand this. If you really want to connect with God, if you really want to feel like you have a, a greater purpose in this world, if you want to make your life about something bigger than yourself, then you're going to kind of need to put that box aside and let me do a new thing. And so this is how he illustrates it. Look what he says in verse six, or verse 16. Jesus says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Now, I get it. We're, we've got a lot of different generations that are represented in our church here. So there's some young people who may not know this. But there was a glorious time in our history where you couldn't actually go to the store and buy jeans with holes already in them. <laughs> I, I remember growing up in junior high and I would go shopping with my mom and I remember it was kind of cool at that one point in time where they would have like ripped jeans like all through here. You remember this? The knees were ripped. And, and I remember going to my mom and saying, Mom, I'd like to get these jeans. And my mom's like, what, why would we get those jeans? There's holes all over those jeans. I'm like, well, no, Mom, it's, it's cool. Like, it's a cool thing. She's like, baby doll, that's not cool. That's just stupid. Like, you're paying someone to rip your jeans, right? If you remember back in the day, there was no such thing as pre-shrunk clothing either, right? That's why in the 70s, when you see all those people wearing half shirts, it wasn't fashion. They just dried their clothes, right? And it just shot up and you're like, I'm not doing it right. And if you remember this, when you grew up, if you got a hole in your jeans, you didn't just run out and get new jeans. What? You got the patch, right? If you don't have scars from the roughness on your legs, you didn't have a good childhood growing up. Right? And you just got the best. See, even Jesus knew this, right? Jesus understood this. And he's saying, listen, you, you can't take a new patch and put it on an old garment. Because when you go to wash that patch, it's going to shrink. The garment is going to shrink. And then it's going to make the tear worse. So what Jesus is telling these religious folks is, listen, you need to understand this. You really want to connect with God? You really want to know what a follower of God is going to need to experience to have connection with God? He's saying this, you can't take my gospel and put it on an old way of life. He says those two things just aren't going to work. If you're going to find God, then you need to leave that box behind. You need to come and follow me or you're going to miss out on the new thing that God is doing. And then Jesus takes it up a whole nother level. Look what he says again right after this verse. He, he says, in the same way, right? You don't put an old patch on a new garment. He says, neither do people pour wine into old wineskins, right? Because if they do, the wineskins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. He says, no, no, no. They pour new wine into new wineskins. Now, again, this is one of those languages that for us, we don't really talk about this because when we drink our wine today, we don't drink it out of a wineskin. We drink it out of a bottle. Somebody said box, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, God's crazy about you. You're just a bit cheap. You know, that's fine. That's fine. 
right? Yeah, well, we don't drink it out of there. We drink it out of a bottle, right? But, but when Jesus was telling this story in the first century, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. They understood what it was because in the first century, what would you do is you would take the skin of an animal, you would clean it all out, and you would kind of let it all kind of harden just a little bit, and then you would pour this juice into a wineskin, and you would allow that juice to kind of ferment and it would turn into wine, and as it did, it would release these gases, and the wineskin would begin to expand. Well, as you poured out that wine, if you added new wine into an old wineskin, that would just keep expanding more and more, and the, the wineskin would become brittle, and it would crack, and the wine would leak out, and you would lose all that extra time you put into it. So everyone in the first century knew exactly what Jesus was talking about, and the point that Jesus was trying to drive home to those who thought, hey, listen, Jesus, this is not the way that we always, that, that church has been done. This is not the way that God is supposed to think or behave or what a follower of God is like. The point that Jesus is driving home, right, to John's disciples, to all of us that listen, is this. To see new things, you have to be made new, right? And to see new, you have to be new. You see, what Jesus is telling us is, listen, if, if you want to see the new things that God is wanting to do in and through your life, you have to believe new things. You have to receive new things. You, you have to come to God fresh and new and just say, God, here, here I am. And God, ha have your way in me. I I'm ready for the new wine. I I'm putting away my old way of thinking, my, my old patterns of behavior, my old identity. And God, I, I want to experience you in new and in fresh ways. Jesus is packing that big truth into this really small story. And I think it's a really important thing for us because here's the catch. In order for us to see new things, we have to realize that we have to be made new. But being new always leads to doing new. Being new always leads to doing new. And I think this is a really important word for some of us who are followers of Christ. Maybe you've kind of been to church for a little bit. Maybe you've kind of experienced, maybe you grew up around here, maybe you grew up around church or you had a mom and a dad and they brought you to church and you started to learn kind of the ABCs of what it was like to be a good, moral follower of God. I know what I love about this church is there's a lot of people at different places in their spiritual journey. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I don't even know if I believe in this whole God thing. You're just kind of kicking the tires to this. This is an awesome thing for you to hear because the, the, the story that Jesus is trying to teach us is what it really means to be a follower of Christ. And, and can we just be honest that in our culture sometimes we have things that happen under the banner of following Christ that I don't think God has much to do with. And I think what Jesus was trying to say all the way back in the very beginning was, Listen, you're, you're representing God in a way that's just not true. And so Jesus is saying, Here, here's why I came. I came because there's some new things that I want to do in and through your life. And I think this is a challenging word for some of us, especially those of us who have been followers of Christ for a, re, for a long time. In fact, let me just kind of say it this way. If, if you're claiming to follow Jesus, but it isn't changing the way you live your life, right? Your whole life, your marriage, your relationships, the way you raise your kids, if you claim to follow Jesus but it isn't changing your whole life, then you are missing out on what Jesus came to do. 
Let me just say it this way. If your life with Jesus looks an awful lot like your life before Jesus, but maybe now with just a little church sprinkled in, you're missing out on what Jesus came to do. You see, following Jesus means that you have to see new, you have to be new, you have to do new. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it tells us this. It says, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, right, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And what that means is that any of us who have said, okay, I, I want to be a follower of God. I, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. He's saying your old way of thinking, right, your old priorities, it's not who you are anymore. So you don't have to keep going back to those old ways of life. Don't, don't settle for life on your terms with a little bit of Jesus thrown in. And you see, becoming a new wineskin, as Jesus calls it, requires us to have a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of being, a whole new way of doing. Because let me just tell you this, true fellowship of Jesus, it's not a patch job on your old way of life. It's a brand new start. It's a whole new season. In other words, being a new wineskin isn't about looking back, it's about looking ahead. It's about putting down my preconceived ideas about who God is and what his followers must be like. But with this surrendered heart, just saying, you know what, God? I'm done doing life on my terms. And God, I, I'm, I'm ready for you to do a new thing in me. What, what do you have in store for me? And I get this because I think some of us who have been followers of Jesus for a long time, we kind of miss it. When, when we read the Bible and we hear Jesus talking to the religious establishment, right, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, where he's kind of reminding them that, hey, listen, you've gotten your priorities out of whack. Sometimes we forget that as followers of Christ who have been Jesus followers for a long time, we are the religious establishment. That Jesus isn't just talking to them, he's actually talking to us. And listen, I, I get it. I, I'm a professional Christian. I am literally paid to pray every single week, right? It's just it's part of the job. Whenever I go out to eat with friends or we go to a family reunion or we get a bunch of people and it's time to eat and they're saying, okay, all right, let's pray. The whole room just, it's kind of what we pay this guy for. Yeah, want to, you know, he's a, he prays very well, you know, right? I get it. I'm a professional, I come here all the time, I come to church all the time, I, uh, this is what my entire life is about. It's about being involved in church and the faith community and all these things and, and uh, I get paid a salary to read the Bible, to pray, to deliver truth to people, to go through it and, and I just want you to know, in full transparency, man, I, I'm ashamed sometimes at how many seasons of my life I can go through the motions without ever consulting God in my job. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, I bet you understand what that feels like. You know how to go through the motions. You know how to say the right things, do the right things, but to be totally honest, there's a part of your heart that is disconnected. You don't feel the same connection to God that maybe you once did when you first started this journey with Christ. If you're anything like me, there is one of those things that kind of goes where we, we get so convinced of 
who we think God is and what God does, so much so that we rarely even consult him anymore. And somewhere along the line, we've taken it on our responsibility to, to tell everybody else how God must think about them, what God must have to say about those things. And, and sometimes we do all of that and we miss the point of why Jesus came. We think we figured God out and so we stop working out our faith with fear and trembling. Instead, we start walking out our faith with arrogance and assumption. Now, I wonder, what if, what if God was trying to get our attention today? What if God's trying to invite us into something new, something that might stretch us a little bit, something that might make us a little bit uncomfortable, something that might take you out of your areas of familiarity? I wonder, would you be ready if God said, hey, I wanna do something new in and through your life? Or would your wineskin burst? What if God was trying to get our attention? You see, that's the bigger truth that Jesus is revealing in these really small stories today. That he came to do something new in and through all of us. That if you're gonna put a box and try to keep God in it, to where you can keep your life separate from what it means to allow God to do something in your heart and your life, you're going to miss out on what Jesus came to do. Right? That's the truth that Jesus was given in these little stories. That the way of Jesus is actually better than anything you or I could do on our own. That a life kind of fully surrendered to Christ is a far greater life than we live on our terms. And listen, I'm convinced now more than ever, not just here in Westbridge and in Minnesota, but in Illinois and Wisconsin and all the places that I have relationships with and friends with and people who lead churches, I'm convinced now more than ever that God is doing something new in and through us. And I'm convinced that God wants to do something new in and through us here at Westbridge. I think there's some new people that God is preparing to join this family. I think there's some new relationships that God has for us. I think there's some new partnerships that God is gonna kind of start to bring our way within our community. I think there's some new attitudes that God is wanting to foster, new ministry initiatives that God is going to kind of birth out of this place. And I'm telling you, that gets me really excited for the future of the church in spite of what you see around you. But I think there's gonna come a point where the church is gonna to have to go, okay, it's time for us to re-engage again. You see, what happened last year was that when all of the pandemic hit and none of us knew what was going on, there was an uncertainty, especially in the church world. Right? I'm on chat threads and phone calls and Jeremiah's one on one of them with me and I'm telling you, us pastors were freaking out. We're like, I don't think anyone's ever gonna come back to church. And then I went to my house and we did church online and I'm eating waffles while I'm watching church going, yeah, I'm never coming back to church. This is awesome, right? And I'm freaking out going, this is the deal. And you know what I started to see in my church and in all the different churches? Because we were afraid that things were gonna look different now. That this isn't the way church was always done. And so you know what happened? The church began to go to sleep. We began to withdraw, we began to limit our services, we began to limit our attendance, all these things. And you know what happened last year? When the church withdrew, the world woke. And all of a sudden what happens is over the last year, we're now facing conversations that we're going, I mean, we weren't prepared for this. I mean, how do I defend this? What do I say about this? 
And I think God is doing this to wake the church back up. To say, hey, listen, I'm not done. I'm wanting to do something new in you and through you. And that gets me really excited. But you know what my greatest fear is for the church? It's that our wineskins will burst. Because we're convinced of our way of life. Some of us, we become so comfortable with things that when God tries to stretch us a bit or do something new in us and through us, there's a part of us that goes, no, 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 that's not the way this is supposed to go. Man, God, I had a routine. I, I did things the right way. I did things my, like, why are you messing up with this whole stuff? And that's my greatest fear is that in this season where God is wanting the church to come alive like never before, we're gonna shrink back and settle for old wineskins. That we're gonna allow our comfort, our preferences, our, our notions of who God is and what God has always done to us to keep us from experiencing what God has next. Friends, listen to me. God is wanting to do new things in and through your life. God is wanting to see more lives changed by the good news of hope and life that comes through Jesus. And he's inviting all of us to get to work. See, the work of God has to be completed by the people of God. And we must never be satisfied with what God once did. God always wants to do more. He just needs new wineskins. God always wants to move in and through your heart. But listen, to see new, you have to be new. And being new always leads to doing new. And so here's the question God has been challenging me with lately. And I, I want to ask you the same one. Are you ready? Are you ready for God to stretch and to expand and to push you for the glory of God? That's an honest question. And, and I think it deserves an honest response. Some of us can say, man, I don't know if I'm ready. I kind of like the way things have always been. The challenge with that posture is that the Bible says that the kingdom of God forcefully advances. What that shows us is that God is always on the move. And if you and I aren't staying in step with what God is doing and where God is going, one day you're gonna wake up and realize that it doesn't feel like God is anywhere close to where you are. And the reality is, is that's because God moved on and God continued to move his kingdom forward. I think there's a challenge for all of us who are followers of God to ask ourselves that question, man, am I ready for God to do a new thing in and through me? And if that's you, if you're ready, let me ask you this. What new convictions are you gonna have about the role that you play in advancing God's kingdom work? Right? You heard Chandler talk about people and honoring volunteers and if you're wanting to step in, maybe that's you. Maybe that is your best next step is to say, you know what, I've sat on the sidelines for a while, but man, I need to jump back in. I need to start re-engaging, I need to start serving. And that's the best next step for you today. Now, what new commitments are you going to make about pursuing Jesus? Maybe it's getting in the habit of spending time in God's word every day, seeking God through prayer, serving, giving, but there's something that you're saying, you know, I, I need to take this next step. I need to be stretched a little bit in this. Because God, I need you to do a new thing in and through my heart. What new people are you gonna reach out to? What new prayers are you gonna pray? 
You see, friends, that's where revival begins. That, that's where God begins to wake up his church to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth. And we are heading into some seasons, we've been in them for a while in our culture, where the church needs to come alive, where the church needs to speak on behalf of God and say, God, what are you doing? Where do you want me to play a role? How can I be a voice for what you're wanting to do? And my question is, are you ready for that? Are you ready for what God wants to do in you and through you? I don't know about you, but I want God to do some new things in me. I want God to break me free from the chains of my comfort and my preference. I want to see new. I want to be new. I want to do new things for the glory of God. Are you with me? See, here's the thing. For every single person, no matter where you're at in this spiritual journey, it begins with Jesus. And maybe you're here and you've never even made that declaration to say, you know what, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. Maybe you've never had that honest moment where you just say, you know what, God, I'm done doing life on my terms. I want to live for something greater than myself. So I'm going to surrender my life and allow you to do a new work in me. That's why God sent Jesus in this world was to help connect you back to God, your creator, to invite you in, to, to be able to do a work inside of your heart say that. And this is where it begins for all of us. It begins with Jesus. And maybe you've never prayed a prayer before of asking Jesus to kind of be your savior, where you say, God, I'm, you're going to be the Lord of my life. From here on out, I'm going to surrender everything over to you. And maybe you've prayed that prayer, but it's been a long time. And if you're being honest, you know you've been doing life on your terms. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it's time for me to do a new thing. Right? It's time for me to kind of set up some new wineskins. And if you haven't prayed that prayer, or you've prayed it, but it's been a long time and you need to pray that prayer again and kind of have a chance to reset your relationship with God, I'd love to pray with you right now. And I'm gonna ask you just to take a moment and bow your head with me. And if that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me? And Jesus, I, I know I've been doing life on my terms. And I just ask that you would forgive me for the ways that I have messed it up Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins and come into my heart? Once and for all, I want to surrender everything over to you and fully, fully give you my life. And from this point forward, I want to spend the rest of my days walking out by faith, following the word of God and the ways of God is my path. God, would you do a new work in me? And for the rest of us in this room who maybe we've prayed that prayer, would you just take a moment and if you're ready, say, God, would you do something new in me? I want to see new. I, I want to be made new. I want to do new things. So God, here I am. I'm surrendering it all to you. Would you fill me up with the new wine? Would you do something new in me and through me? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Westbridge, I think God's going to do some amazing things in and through us as a church family. And I pray that we continually put ourselves in that posture to say, God, do something new in me and through me. Amen. Amen. Love you. God bless you. Thanks for letting us be here with you today.